Good morning, brothers and sisters. There's nothing left for me to do. If you could please turn right away with me to uh, Luke 11, verses 1 through 13. It's on pages uh, 6 and 7 of your service sheet. And as Carissa just mentioned, here the disciples ask, Lord, teach us to pray. And his disciples had been following him around for years, and they knew that if anybody could teach them to pray, it was Jesus, right? And one of the most repeated lessons that Jesus taught about prayer in the Gospels is the importance of persistence and boldness. That theme just keeps coming back again and again in the Gospels as Jesus teaches about prayer. So in Luke 11.5, Jesus essentially says, go ahead, be that guy. You know, he's saying, go ahead and be that guy. Be like that annoying guy who knocks on his friend's door in the middle of the night asking for bread and his friend answers from within in the house with a muffled voice. Don't bother me. The door's shut and my children are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. So in, in my imagination, my friend that I'm annoying is John Hall. <laughs> Which I guess makes me the annoying guy, the persistent annoying guy, right? So, um, so even after that, you don't leave. You just stand there awkwardly at the doorstep. <laughs> sit down. And your friend looks at you again through the keyhole and is like, And Jesus says, I tell you, though he will not get up and give you anything because he's your friend, Yet because of your impudence, in other words, because of your bold willingness to annoy your friend in the middle of the night, he will rise and give you whatever you need. So this is a shocking example. And here's why. Jesus intends for this example to be shocking because Jesus wants to shock us with the scandalous availability of God the Father. He's wanting to say, God the Father is scandalously available to you. He hears all our prayers. He answers us every time we knock, night or day. And I tell you, Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and to the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Jesus is saying, go for it, man. Be bold. Annoy your creator. Because here's the thing. It doesn't annoy him. The Father loves it. The Father loves it when we come to him. The Father loves when we talk to him. The Father loves when we ask him. He invites it. Is that how we view God? Jesus exhorts us to pray as expectant children, children, trusting that our Father knows how to give us good gifts. He says, if you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? So according to Jesus, no one has to live a godless life. No one has to live a godless life because God is scandalously available to all who will call on Him. 
This week as I was preparing for this sermon, this word godlessness and that reality um, just really struck my heart. That there are many in this world who are living a godless existence. There are many who name the name of Jesus who live a godless existence. Practical atheism. I remember years ago I was reading a book by um, the previous pope, Pope Benedict. He wrote this book. Uh, called Jesus of Nazareth. And in the introduction, he's kind of um, just ruminating on this question. What's, what's the main thing that Jesus did? Like, what's the main contribution he made to the world? And he's, you know, mentioning all these things, you know, the, the way in which um, he gave the world a conscience, the way in which, um, you know, as we were talking about last week, he elevated the status, the cultural status of women, the way in which people became responsive to the poor, the way in which Jesus affected the abolition of slavery, all these things, all these wonderful things. But he said, the most important thing that Jesus did, the most important thing that, that the most important contribution he made is that he brought God near to us and us near to God. He said, we don't have to live a godless existence. Speaking of our lives before Christ, the Apostle says in Ephesians 2.12, Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Before we knew Christ, we were without God in the world. Separated, alienated. Strangers having no hope. But through the cross of Christ, all who believe have been reconciled to their Creator. Amen? Amen. According to Jesus, prayer builds on that. It's like the antidote to a godless existence. That regular, ongoing communion with the Father that should typify the lives of all of God's children. Are you willing to do the right thing even when no one else is around? Because you know that your Creator is there with you. Have you ever raised your hands in worship to Him in just a secret, private place? Have you ever wept over your sins in a private place? or laid prostrate before His holy name when no one else was around, He's available. He's still there. Have you ever been crushed with sadness and experienced the consolation that comes from the Holy Spirit? You know, when everything around you points to despair, you have hope because you have God. Brothers and sisters, we don't have to live a godless existence. We aren't meant to, and Jesus can teach us to reorient our lives around the Father through prayer. Please pray with me. Father, I pray for each of us sitting here, not for anybody else, but for those who are here specifically, that you would give us hope for a deeper relationship with you, that you would remind us again today by your Holy Spirit how available you are to us and it would change our lives. Lord, those who go to bed 
with a sense of godless anxiety. Lord, those who act however they will when no one else is around. Lord, those who have never felt the refreshing of your presence. And for those who have and we all need to be brought back to you, Lord, bring us back, we pray. Jesus, show us how. Amen. Amen. So our topic this morning is prayer, and more specifically, the Lord's Prayer. And this prayer is given to us here in Luke 11. I'm going to actually spend uh, more time using the version from Matthew 6, the more full version that we're used to. And our purpose will be less on information and more on truly letting Jesus teach us how to pray. Teach us how to pray through this model prayer and by the Holy Spirit. And uh, I, I want to give this like odd guarantee this morning. I know it's kind of odd to give a guarantee when you're preaching. but I guarantee you that if you ask the Lord to give you His Holy Spirit to teach you how to pray, and you use the Lord's Prayer, that the Lord will teach you how to pray. I guarantee that if you ask for the Holy Spirit to teach you how to pray, and you use the Lord's Prayer as your guide, the Lord will teach you how to pray. The structure of this morning um, its going to be a little different than usual. I want to... Um, I want to begin by naming some of our main barriers to prayer and sharing some of my thoughts uh, uh, from my own journey on this topic. Um, I want to give you just a brief time uh, to share with your neighbors. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a little bit of teaching on the Lord's Prayer, um, uh, elaborate a, a little bit more. I know that Carissa did some teaching for us and for the children a minute ago. but And then, um, then there will be a brief Q&A. Um, and then... At the end of that, if you'll turn to page 9 in your service sheet, um, you'll notice that there's this little Lord's Prayer sort of bookmark in there. And instead of the regular prayers of the people, we're going to just pray through the Lord's Prayer together as a congregation, all right? We're going to have a time of prayer together. So immediate application, all right? So first, um, I want to speak a little bit about barriers that we have to prayer. I think we all seem to have our own little like natural on-ramps on to Christian spirituality. So things that come easier to us, and then there's things that come more difficult to us. So for some people, um, you know, you cared about the poor before you even became a Christian, and after becoming a Christian, it just became a, a special place for meeting Jesus. When you, when you can serve people, that's when you feel close to God, and, th and that, that was a natural thing for you to be able to step into. Um, for others of you, you're almost like sort of wired to just be naturally spiritual. Like, you know, people are, you know, you have all these people around you who are rational, you know, or questioning all these things. And you've been like open to prayer since like before you've even known Jesus. So it, as soon as you came to know him, um, you were able to just kind of step into that. Um, that was not me, by the way. Um, I think when I first um, really started following the Lord, it was worship. Um, worship music in particular that I really met the Lord through. I've always loved music, and it just felt like an intimate meeting place for me. I remember going to church um, with, with my parents and, and sister and um, just um, meeting the Lord uh, through music every week. And then 
Um, I, liked, I like ideas. I like to question things. I like to talk about things. So when I first started uh, attending Bible studies, I was like, oh, wow, this is really cool. And the truth of God's word started to really speak to me and work into different parts of my lives and, uh, and uh, of my, my life. I only have one. <laughs> and uh, some of you guys are, are experience, experience that, uh, experiencing that, especially right now in InterVarsity. It's just great that those inductive Bible studies just change your life. They shape the way that you think. Um, and then um, after a time, I had some experiences of really meeting the Lord through praying in community. Um, at UNF, um, when I was in InterVarsity, just some experiences with the Lord where we just felt the tangible presence of God, where God was moving in prayer, where God was shaking things, where God was answering our prayers. And really, last of all, after being a Christian, um, uh, for a few years, um, did I did I really start to meaningfully meet the Lord in in prayer on my own? You know, I remember um, prayer for me at the time was you know just um, you know praying a few things in my bed at night before I fell asleep and falling asleep halfway through. You know, which is not uh, not a bad way to fall asleep, um, but the Lord wanted to bring me deeper. So why did it take me so long? I want to mention five barriers I've noticed in prayer just in my own journey, and, and see if these also resonate with you. Um, the first barrier is a philosophical barrier. So God already knows what I need, so why do I need to ask? You know, there are thousands of prayer requests, so where do I start? What if I don't know His will? All of this just makes me want to say, all right, Lord, just uh, do what you do, you know? <laughs> I, I, I just trust you with that, do what you do. Now, the issue with that is that Jesus tells us to ask. Jesus tells us to have this childlike relationship with us. And there's something about prayer. It's not just about like, oh, well, God needs help with his job description or something like that. But he wants us to seek him. And he wants us to be a part of the process of his kingdom coming and his will being done. And that starts with prayer. Second, I had a concentration barrier. And I also had a concentration barrier. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, does your prayer life mostly consist of a few scattered phrases um, interrupted by you dozing off to sleep? As I said, that was so me. Um, third, uh, a sin and guilt barrier. Right? Maybe there's that one issue, or maybe there's several issues where you're like, I just can't go to God because I know, like every time I do, I know that this is a barrier. This is an issue. And so we say, I can't go to God unless this gets sorted out, right? First, I need to take care of my life. First, I need to get things together, and then I'll go to God. Now, what's the irony there? We need God to sort those things out in our lives, right? So we actually go to God through the cross of Christ. We learn to pray, um, as in Daniel 9, not on the basis of our own righteousness, but on the basis of His great mercy. So the cross comes, becomes the door for us to go through and to be able to call God Father on the sure foundation of what His unique Son has done. And then we let Him sort us out a bit, right? Mm -hmm. We come out from under the rock, we come into the light. Sometimes we don't want to come to God because it's, it's not that we don't think that He can sort us out, it's we're saying, I just don't want you to sort me out yet. Right? Like St. Augustine when he was praying about sexual sin in his life, he said, I, I, I said to God, um, you know, heal me, but not yet. <laughs> right? There's a, any number of areas in our lives where, where that's essentially, we're saying, 
I actually rather be godless in this area of my life. Um, and we think that's true. It's not true. Um, the Lord has a more abundant life for us Amen. in His will. So the sin and guilt barrier. Number four, um, we have skewed images of God. So um, not just what we say we believe about God. Some of us might just have false ideas about God, and, and that's just, you know, we would communicate those, and, 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 and we just need um, God's truth, the truth of his word to correct those things. But some of us um, would say the right things, um, but, but we believe different things when we're sort of on, operating on spiritual autopilot, right? Um, many of you have heard me tell the story of this missionary woman who her first 15 years of doing missions in Mexico um, said that she was just going through severe depression and really contemplating suicide. And she was, she was counseling somebody who was considering suicide and she thought to herself, I think I'm actually more serious about wanting to end my life than even this person is. And she said part of the reason, part of what was going on with her is that um, she, uh, she had this broken relationship with her parents and, uh, and she just felt like um, they were these never-satisfied judges of her life, and they were always give, going behind her and giving her the white glove treatment. You know what that is, right? Mm -hmm. Where you put on the white glove and you know, go behind where somebody else is cleaned, and, and you say, you missed a spot. And so she always felt like she was trying to appease this cosmic version of her parents, right? Um, she, you know, she was just like, God is just this never-satisfied cosmic judge who's always white-gloving me. And so there's no sense of grace. There's no sense of stability in her daughtership. You know, there's no sense of stability. Yeah, you know, I, I know I mess up, but I'm a, I'm a child of the house, right? I'm a member of the household through what Jesus has done. So I can trust the Father. I can go to the Father on the basis of that status he's granted me. And it wasn't until she realized that that her ministry really opened up and she's um, become a, a, an amazing spiritual director for many people for many decades. So skewed images of God, this number four. Number five, we, we have a control barrier. That is, um, in our own insecurity, um, we, we don't, well, number one, we don't like entering into something that we don't really know how to do. And if we're honest with ourselves, we don't really know how to pray. Right? Some of my best times of prayer come when the Holy Spirit reminds me, you don't know how to establish connection with the Father. You can't do this. Because this is a miracle and it actually needs to come from God. So just saying, okay, well, Holy Spirit, intercede with groans and utterings that words can't express. Like, help me, induct me into this. You know, there's a mystery there. We're participating, but, but God's um, work is prior and more important. And so we ask him. Um, to take control of that time. We trust Him to pastor our times of prayer. We sort of take a break from shepherding ourselves, and we allow ourselves to be shepherded by God in prayer. But also, um, and I think Romans 12 is really good on this, um, in view of God's mercy, we should, we should offer ourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is our spiritual act of worship. All right, so we just we just... We offer ourselves up. We offer our lives up. That's what we're doing when we're praying. You know, we're saying, um, and, and maybe, maybe we feel like super resistant, and we just tell God, I, I feel very resistant to trust you right now. I feel very resistant. You know, and sometimes just saying, um, I don't want to, but I want to want you. I, I, I don't want you right now, but I want to want you. I don't want to give my life to you, but I want to want to give my life to you. Help me, Lord. Um, Jesus responds to that kind of stuff, doesn't he, in the Gospels? 
you know, the guy says, um, I believe, help my unbelief, you know. Um, and so we, we say that to God. Do any of those barriers sound familiar to you? The philosophical barrier, the concentration barrier, sin and guilt barrier, skewed images of God, control barriers. Does that sound familiar? Is that, yeah. yeah. They're definitely familiar to me. And really the turning point for me, and I just really want to testify to this as good news this morning, the turning point for me was learning from G sitting at Jesus' feet and learning how to pray the way that he taught his disciples. Um, so, you know, in, in Matthew 6, Jesus says this then is how you should pray. He's not necessarily saying this is what you should pray. You should just kind of repeat this over and over again. Although, actually, that's a treasured tradition in the church. Um, you know, and, and of course, we say the Lord's Prayer. We recite it together during, during the Eucharist. And, and that's great. You can really meet the Lord through that. Actually, when I was a really uh, young boy, I didn't really know much about the Lord, but I, I knew the Lord's Prayer. And I remember just saying it in my bed at night and really actually feeling that sense that the Lord was there. Um, and uh, as, as, as Carissa mentions uh, in, in Luke 11, when Jesus gives the Lord's Prayer, it's in direct response to the disciples saying, Lord, teach us to pray. And so he's, he's setting forth this model and he's giving these prompts. And actually, if you look um, down through Christian history, through catechisms and different writings, there's all kinds of people who have expounded the Lord's Prayer in this instructional way to show people how to pray. It's not my little secret, you know. But, you know, Jesus, this is this is the purpose that He gave it. There's there's great examples of this today too. Um, uh, I, I really commend to you uh, Chapter Seven in the Divine Conspiracy uh, by Dallas Willard. Great teaching on the Lord's Prayer in there. Uh, Michael Ramsey uh, wrote a book called Be Still and Know. There's a great chapter in there. On praying the Lord's Prayer. So, I, but but this morning, I just want to give encouragement uh, for those of you who, like me, um, you know, feel like, hey, prayer is not natural for me. This is very difficult for me. I have um, this concentration barrier. I have these just this weird um, aversion to the intimacy of prayer or whatever. Um, that by God's grace, He used the Lord's Prayer and the Holy Spirit to to teach me to pray. Um, to teach me, I remember when I when I first came on Ivy staff, um, I was like this philosopher who happened to have faith, and the Lord told me, "I want you to be a man of faith who happens to think philosophically." Right, and the way that He taught me how to do that was through prayer. And there was this intense season of the Lord really teaching me. And then it was only after a year and a half, two years of that, that I started reading. Dallas Willard and Richard Foster and some of these teachers throughout Christian history and being like, hey, they're talking about the same thing that the Lord's been teaching me. So it was this confirmation. Mm -hmm. Why? Because it's the same Lord. Mm -hmm. It's the same teacher, the Holy Spirit. Christ plays in 10,000 places. Mm -hmm. So the Lord can do this in your life too. And I just want to encourage you, if prayer has never really been super important to you, if it's never really been central to you, I honestly... I mean, if I were to list out like the five major life transitions for me, like the most important things that have ever happened to me, like learning to pray would be one of those. You know, my conversion, getting married, having kids, learning to pray, maybe four things. I don't know. Um, you know, the, I, I, what, I, what I'm trying to communicate by saying that is, um, man, it was sweet to follow the Lord before knowing how to pray. But if you, if you don't have a deep prayer life, I, I almost... 
I can't wait for you guys to see what it's like to walk with the Lord in this way. I'm wondering if I could ask you guys to do something risky, and as always, you can feel free not to participate or just kind of listen. And that's just get into pairs of three for a second. Turn to your neighbor and just try to communicate um, just, just a, a brief picture. What does prayer look like for you in your daily life? Um, describe the extent to which you've experienced his, his presence. Um, you know, are there, are there some consistent barriers you face in prayer that are like the barriers that were mentioned? So just in groups of three, just really briefly, um, it, you know, uh, nobody has to share, but, but if you want to share, I think it, it will be helpful for us to just get those gears turning. You don't have to share on all of that. That's just to kind of get you thinking a little bit. Another few moments. All right, let's come back together. I know that wasn't wasn't nearly enough time. If you'll turn to page nine um, in your in your service sheet, where where we have the Lord's Prayer there in bold, um, I just want to say, um, Carissa did such a wonderful job um, teaching the children about the Lord's Prayer, and of course we were all there. Um, and so I just want to say just a few additional things to what she said. 
Um, so the Lord's Prayer starts with uh, Our Father in Heaven. Hallowed be your name. This Our Father. And Carissa, Carissa brought this out. This, this Daddy. This Daddy word. Um, that when Jesus uh, is, is, is directly translated from the Aramaic, he's translated as saying Abba in different places in the Gospel. It says Abba. Um, and so that language of daddy, I mean, to, to call God daddy, that's a tough thing. I mean, it's, it's, just, a, it's just kind of an uncomfortable thing, isn't it? And there, so there's an uncomfortable level of intimacy, of imminence, of God with us, of God among us that Jesus wants to communicate. But at the same time, hallowed be your name. Our Father in the heavens, hallowed be your name. This sense of transcendence. That God is, maybe to use another uncomfortable word, the master. Right? Would we, would we feel comfortable calling God daddy? Would we be com comfortable calling God master? The master of the universe? It's not a He-Man reference there. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I really think that that's, that's the point. Um, uh, if, if we can really pause and remember by faith, who God is, then the rest of the prayer just comes. So by faith, we just say, Holy Spirit, teach me, and we're just trying to remember that there's, you don't want to rush when you're praying. Um, I mean, there's times to rush and pray. Is that a whole, help me right now. Uh, you know, shoot a little arrow up to God. Um, but when you're setting aside time to pray daily, uh, I might encourage you if, if you, if you, if you haven't been or, or you never have, to set aside 20, 25 minutes um, and try to try to set aside some unhurried space. And it's okay if at first half of that time is just spent on our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Um, it's a good time to good time to praise the Lord. It's a good time to remember with thank thankfulness the things that He does in our lives. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's that arrow down from the crown, right? Um, the same way that it looks um, when the kingdom is consummated in Revelation 21. There's no more mourning. There's no more crying. There's no more tears. There's no more death. God wants us to be agents of praying for those things now. Of course, we're not going to complete those things. We're not going to bring the kingdom completely just through our prayers. We need Jesus to come back. But we pray into that. We lean into that. We ask for his kingdom to come. And then it's interesting, isn't it, um, how if we start with God as our Abba, we start with God as the Master, the Lord of the universe, and we're praying for His kingdom to come, His will to be done on earth as it is in heaven, then we're ready, then, then we're, we've been oriented so that we can pray for our needs. Right? We, we got Him in right perspective. Um, I, I just want you guys to hear how this sounds in Greek. Because it gives you an idea of how God-centered the beginning of this prayer is. Um, sounds like this. Pater hemon, ha in tois uranois, hagiastheto anima su, of you, su, of you, eltheto he basile su, of you, genetheto tathelema su, of you, hallowed be the name of you, come the kingdom of of you be done the will of you it just comes that, that it, it, it rhymes in Greek right um, and um, 
And it, 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 there's a very there's a God centeredness to this. Not because we can't ask our our own requests, but we usually start with our own requests. And if we start instead with the majesty of God, we start instead with the character of our loving Father. We start instead with those things that He's already expressed are His will. Then it's going to order our prayers aright. But the cool thing is, is He says we could pray for our daily bread. You might view that even symbolically in some sense, just the things that we need for today. Um, it might be bread. Um, it might be for God to provide bread for someone else. But isn't it interesting then, uh, in the order of the prayer, we're, we're given space to ask for our needs before we even ask for forgiveness of sins. And there's something being communicated there. It's not, it's not that it's, you know, it's not a bad idea to start your prayer time by confessing your sins. I mean, that's okay. Um, but uh, I think part of what's being communicated here is that we have a continuing status as sons and daughters. That it's not just like, oh, if I haven't, for, if I haven't confessed my sins since the last time I prayed to you, I don't even have that status. And so I need to re renew that by my confession. No, we live in the sea of God's grace and mercy. We live in the house. We haven't been expelled from the house. And we may be ashamed, but we can, just like with our earthly fathers and mothers, we can talk to them even when there's some sort of outstanding debt there, right? Um, because there's, a, there's an environment of, of love. One last note on this last phrase, and lead us not into temptation. I, I chose to translate this part, to, but deliver us from the evil one. And that's because the way that the Greek um, is phrased there, actually the guy Bill Mounts who literally wrote the book on um, New Testament Greek, um, says that it's almost certainly talking about the devil here. Uh, that it's almost certainly saying, okay, well, we have sin, we have brokenness in the world, but there's also an enemy of our souls who, who will go against us. And I just have to say, I, I was praying the Lord's Prayer for a couple of years before I ever sort of started praying uh, like sort of spiritual warfare, like protect me, Lord, protect my children, protect whatever. And I think that there was victories that I never experienced until I started to take seriously what Jesus takes seriously, which is that there's co like cosmic evil that's against us too. Um, maybe the scriptures talk more about sin than about the evil one, and we're uncomfortable with this idea of there being an evil one. You know, we're kind of like, oh, that sounds silly. It's like a, a devil with a pitchfork and a tail. No, I'm not talking about pitchforks and tails. I'm talking about the enemy of our souls that Jesus himself battled with. And so we use that as space to pray for those things that we really feel like... Um, we feel concerned that there's there's attacks surrounding those things. It's also great that to end our prayer with that because um, it, it kind of gives you like a catch-all place for like, hey, I haven't prayed for this person or this situation yet that I'm genuinely super concerned about. And, and I, and I want to just kind of come back to that. And I want to battle with that in prayer with the Lord. All right, so um, I, I, I just want to uh, take just a, a few minutes to say, um, are there any questions? Are there any questions? Maybe Maybe something that I haven't addressed, something that the teaching hasn't addressed today, or something that's maybe more personal to you that you just want to ask about prayer. And, I, and I've also just asked a couple of my friends um, who I know to be people of prayer to sit up front in case that they have anything to respond to regarding your questions too. Um, just, a, just a few questions. Anybody have any questions? Yeah, Brian. Um, so I guess like my question is kind of like I feel like when I, I want to pray, like if I don't have 
either space to like talk aloud or just like I guess like a piece of paper or something to like write it down on and like like I feel like I only have like the space to really just like do it in my head like I feel like it gets it's really easy to just like get sidetracked or like distracted and feel like it's not as genuine of a time with like the Lord yeah so do you have like any like tips I guess of like well, I, I really like what you just said, Brian, which is um, we don't oftentimes think about praying aloud, like talking aloud when, when we're alone, you know, and sometimes that can help it help us. I mean, it's, you know, it's okay to have a silent time, but, but to speak aloud um, can, can sort of make it more real for us. We're embodied creatures and we hear ourselves praying to the Father and we say these, so I like that. And then you also said that sometimes you have time to write down your prayers and that can be especially helpful if you have a concentration barrier. You know, um, it just kind of helps to center your mind, center your thought. You have to, um, like, concentration is a learned skill. Anybody who's been to grad school knows, hey, like, to be able to concentrate on reading for this long, it's, it, you know, it, it, it's, it's a learned skill and sometimes writing it down. So I almost just want to, like, testify to the good things that you said before. Um, I, I think if, if you feel like um, I meet the Lord more easily, I connect with the Lord more easily through praying out loud and through writing it down, I mean, that's... That might just be true, you know, and it might be a little harder to meet the Lord just praying in your head. It might be the opposite for somebody else. Um, and I, I just wouldn't be too hard on yourself about that. Um, but also just know that um, that Jesus is, is, is interceding for us in the heavenlies. And, and our, our prayer, um, the efficacy of our prayer is, is really comes through him, not just through us sort of like knowing the right thing to do or, or completely feeling it in that moment. So I think we notice those things that are helpful for us and we try to make space for those things that are, you know, that help us to naturally connect. You know, if, if listening to a worship song and singing that out loud before you pray like really warms you up or like reading a psalm out loud and just kind of praying in response to that psalm like warms you up to the presence of the Lord, then do that, you know. Um, but uh, um, if, if you have a harder time connecting, just kind of praying in your head. Now, I wouldn't say don't do it, but um, but don't feel bad that that you naturally connect more in other ways. Yeah, you have something, Zach? Um, what's the role of angry prayer? So like yeah. when, we're, when we're going through something, like we just don't feel yeah. it and we're mad at God. That's a great question. Can you repeat he, he said, what's the role of angry prayer? You know, when we're upset about something or we're upset at the Lord about something? Um, Man, a great a great uh, book to read if you want to learn about angry prayer is the Psalms, right? <laughs> um, because there's so much angry prayer in the Psalms, um, and a lot of the Psalms actually start it almost it almost seems ungodly, right? Where it's like, where are you? Why are you so far off? Why are you so far of saving me? Yet you're seated and thrown above Zion. <laughs> you see the Lord training them like like in front of your eyes. Yeah. And, and, and renewing their perspective. But you know what's holy about the, even those angry prayers in the Psalms? That they even went to God in the first place. Right? So it's, 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 one, thing, it's one thing if my daughters say, um, you know, they're angry at me or, 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 or they have a complaint or whatever. But what I really don't want is for them to be secretly nurturing something against me and never tell me about it. Right? I want them to come to me. I want to be able to have that interaction. I want to be able to renew my sense of gentleness and mercy and, and discipline or whatever it may be with them in a face-to-face -face way. And so I think the role of angry prayer is don't be afraid to go to God even if you're angry, you know, or even if you have questions. Speak those doubts aloud to God 
and, and allow him to affect us in the, in the prayer furnace. And maybe one or two more. Yeah. Stephen? Uh, did one, one come over here? Stephen wants to. Hey, Bev. That's a great question. Um, lead us not into temptation. It's it's a it's theologically troublesome, right? Because but but we let scripture interpret scripture. This is a good example. And because we, we know clearly from other places in scripture that God doesn't tempt us, that nothing evil springs forth from God's heart, or, you know, from God's intentions for us. Um I, I, I mean I have read a bit on that and, and I think that um, what's going on is is uh, um, sometimes it's 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 um, it's translated, save us from the time of trial. It's, it's a, it's a, um, yeah, it's, it's like a, us inhabiting a childlike perspective, sort of in saying, um, like a, a pitiable perspective and saying, Lord, don't, don't tempt me beyond what I can bear. Don't let, don't let anything come that I can't handle. And of course, there's a promise in scripture that says that we won't be tempted beyond what we could bear. There's also words in scripture that say, whenever we face trials of many kinds, we should consider it pure joy because we know that the testing of our faith produces perseverance, you know? Um, and so it, it's not, it's not, um, it's not, uh, don't, don't allow anything hard to come in my life, but it's, it's an acknowledgement. And Willard has a good section on this in chapter seven of the divine conspiracy. It's a way of saying um, to God and confessing, I'm frail and I just, just don't overwhelm me with this life, you know. Help me. Don't don't lead me into anything that's that's too hard for me to handle. And we're kind of we're kind of inhabiting that perspective as children, even though we know theologically, right? That's that's not what God would do. But it's a way of acknowledging our frailty and our need uh, and, and renewing our, our need for His help. If that makes sense. Yeah, um, well, I, I won't get into this, but, but there's a lot of people who, who will in, interpret the whole Lord's Prayer in this eschatological lens, from this end times lens, which is like, you know, deliver us from that final judgment, give us that bread, you know, from the, from the you know, eternal banquet table, that sort of, um, there's so much more that could be said, but, um, but uh, I, 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 won't, I won't go into that right now. I won't be tempted. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> Good question. Good question. La last, Stephen. Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, so Stephen said, what's the appropriate response when you feel like you're not getting through to God, where you feel like there's no connection, where you feel like you're praying and nothing is happening? Um, I'm, I'm looking to my brothers and sisters up here if, if you have anything. Uh, but but uh, I, I guess I want to say, um, of course we persevere in prayer. Um, perseverance is, is, is potentially the most common topic that Jesus teaches on when it comes to prayer. Luke, Luke 18, the parable of the persistent widow, just keeps coming to that unjust judge, just keeps asking for mercy. Jesus says, but when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? You know, will he find faith that, um, that we're holding out that the goodness of God counts even when I'm feeling distant or even when I feel like God is, isn't acting. Um, but I also think that it could be a sign of a, of, um, of a need to shake things up a little bit in our prayer life, you know. Maybe, you, maybe you're writing down your prayers and you're, you're going through the Lord's Prayer and you're writing down each prompt or whatever, and that was a super meaningful thing for you. But maybe today the Lord just wants you to get up and go for a walk around your you know, block, you know, or whatever, and, and just to pray out loud or... or or maybe, maybe it's, it's kind of like, you know, even using the Lord's Prayer is becoming like law-like to you. And he just wants you to just, um, you know, just list your thanksgivings to him that day and just pray aloud to him. So sometimes, sometimes barriers come from us being legalistic with ourselves about exactly how we need to approach God. And I don't think we want to use the Lord's Prayer in that way. I mean, the Lord's Prayer is so good because it's holistic. It feels like... When you've prayed all these prayers, it's like, you, you know, you haven't prayed for everything, but you've prayed everything that you should pray for that day. And so it can be kind of nice, but I think sometimes um, shaking things up and, and singing a new song to the Lord in prayer can be helpful. Although we can get married to, like, the extemporaneous nature of that and think, if we're not doing a new thing every day, then we're not meeting the Lord. And that can become a different kind of legalism, right? And for those, for those folks, they probably just need to pray through the Psalms or pray through the Lord's Prayer and just let, let, you know, let, let God's Word set the agenda for a while. So it just kind of depends, right? Um, and we have so many different temperaments. All right, brothers and sisters. <laughs> I, I, felt, um, I felt supported by these brothers and sisters in prayer this week, so I'm going to let that be that. Um, Here's what I'd like to do. Um, in a moment, I'm going to ask us to stand, and then um, you can stand or kneel or sit. I just want us to just kind of stand, get the juices flowing, and then we're going to have a time of prayer together. And um, um, what I'd like to do from there is um, is go immediately uh, to the Lord's table, um, and we'll just say the Sanctus today. John will go up there. Um, just because I want to, I want to have that time. But we'll just skip immediately from that. The only announcements worth mentioning um, are that this Friday, um, there's actually going to be an extended time of prayer and worship here um, that several people in the congregation are leading. It starts at 7:30. So if you want to kind of immediately pray with community, there's an immediate opportunity for that. And then also this Saturday, there's going to be another opportunity. We're going to have our first retreat of silence um, at, for incarnation. We used to do this for InterVarsity. We're going to meet at San Luis Mission Park um, at 9.45. Um, uh, there will be a little bit of instruction. We'll go off and spend an hour and a half or two hours on our own in nature, um, uh, maybe using this Lord's Prayer guide um, or, or spending some time in Scripture. Then we'll come back together, eat lunch, share stories. If you have families and, and you want to have like one of the parents come around that time for the lunch, there's also a playground there and stuff like that. So that will give us two opportunities to immediately seek to put this into practice. Um, 
So immediately following from the Lord's Prayer, uh, uh, no announcements or, or anything, I'm just going to ask John to come forward uh, and stand at the table and, and lead us in Holy Communion. All right, please stand. And then as we continue in prayer, we will, um, as we continue in prayer, you, you can um, uh, have whatever posture is, is most comfortable or helpful for you. I'm just going to say out these prompts and, and maybe give us a little bit of instruction, maybe make a little bit of space, but it is just an example of how we can have a time of prayer using the Lord's Prayer alone or as a community. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So we just take a, a moment to pause in silence and ask the Holy Spirit to teach us how to pray. Jesus says, anyone who asks the Holy, for the Holy Spirit from the Father, the Father knows how to give that gift. So I just encourage you to ask that by faith. glory high and lifted up and remember that he's enthroned ask for God's grace to Help us through those skewed images we might have of him, remembering that he's our perfect father, that he's a servant king. We just invite you where you're at, um, one at a time, to lift up your praises to this God. Hallowed be your name. Let's hallow the Lord's name together. Speaking our praises for what he's done, thanking him for that, praising him for who he is.
Father, thank you for the continued status that we have through Christ, that we can just go to you and immediately say, Father, immediately say, Daddy. Lord, thank you for fixing our broken lives, Lord. We need you very desperately, Lord. Yes, God. Every day, every moment, God. Yes, Lord. As we continue to pray, let's pray for his kingdom to come, his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. I invite you to lift up any prayer requests you have, maybe for the mission of God on the campuses of FAMU and FSU and TCC. Maybe any prayer requests you have for this family of faith, for your, for your own um, home, your, your own situation. Let's pray for the Lord's purposes. pray for Kara and Christy Lord, as you would work in their lives and help them and yes. just heal their hearts, God. Yes. And I ask you to keep Cassidy safe while she's up in Brooklyn working with children who really need the Lord and need her. Yes, Lord. Father, would you show your love to those children through Cassidy? Yes. Fill her with your love so that she could overflow into their lives. Yes. Give us today our daily bread. I invite you to lay before the Lord any needs you have to lift those up to Him. It's for a car or for something that somebody you know needs, for any people you know in this neighborhood. Lord, I pray for my brother Steve that you help him in his child support issue and just meeting his own needs, Lord.
So we pray for health and wholeness. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Just quietly where we are, let's ask the Holy Spirit to search our heart, um, to know us, to search us, to bring to mind anything that's displeasing to God, and that we lay those quietly, privately, before the Lord. Lay those issues, asking for His forgiveness. Scripture says if we claim to be without sin, we are liars and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins to the Lord, he is faithful and just to cleanse us of our sins, to forgive us all our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Almighty God, have mercy on you. Forgive you all your sins through our Lord Jesus Christ. Strengthen you in all goodness and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep us in eternal life. Amen. Our forgiveness is a good thing. Um, and finally, um, we pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Lord, we pray for protection, um, in particular for all the children um, in this congregation. Um, not just for like little um, little boo-boos or, or uh, things that might upset them, but just for the ways in which um, the enemy has a foothold in this culture and wants to form them in his image um, rather than in your image, Lord. We pray for their formation. Yes. Father, I pray that you'd protect the people in this con uh, congregation from uh, a sense of godlessness, a sense of being alone in this world. Lord, we ask for this prophetic word that your Son brings forth uh, on the, the availability of the Father to us. We ask that that would speak a better word, a stronger word over our cynicism. from the evil one we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.